It's titled Vinyl Record Collecting, Everything You Wanted to Know. Uh, this is part of the uh, Honors Program's Brown Bag Lunch Series. Uh, the idea is that uh, folks bring forward different kinds of, of topics and engage uh, in discussion about them. Uh, Professor Nick Shizis has taught here at Marine Valley for a number of years and has been uh, actively involved in the honors program as well for a number of years. Uh, so we're looking forward uh, to this presentation. Now, if you're uh, here you know, for one of my classes or others, uh, make sure you sign in, all that good stuff. Uh, outside of that, without further ado, Professor Nick Shizis. Awesome, thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate this. I was gonna share a compliment, Josh, that uh, this uh, presentation helped me reflect on like why I loved music and why I got into it and all that stuff. And you know, it, uh, it just kind of brought me back, brought me a lot of joy. So no, thank you. Thank you for the invite and for thinking of me, uh, you know, thinking about positive experiences, right? It was just a, a joy to kind of reflect back. I actually dug up some old pictures, right? Uh, that, uh, that when I think to myself, why did I get into vinyl music? Um, so, um, yes, this workshop is called Vinyl Record Collecting, Everything You Wanted to Know. And I'm hoping that perhaps you even you have, you have some questions about vinyl record collecting. And so I'm a professor of psychology here at Moraine Valley. I've been teaching uh, part-time and full-time altogether, closing, you know, getting closer to 20 years at this point. Uh, but uh, I've been collecting vinyl records, and I've been fascinated with music and vinyl records ever since I've been a young kid. Um, I, I guess I could trace it back to kind of where it started, um, but I will tell you that I, that I acquired my first LP when I was 11 years old. I think I'm gonna maybe, perhaps I'll, perhaps I'll start with that. Oh, here's a joke. Um, I see a small apartment, the guy's going to a fortune teller. I see you alone. That's not necessarily the case for vinyl record collectors. But he foresees a lot of vinyl records, and the guy starts sweating. He goes, you know, man, he's, that's a lot of records. So he doesn't know what he's getting himself into, Troy. He doesn't, right? He have no idea the, the inconvenience of this, you know, the joys, of course, but the inconvenience of this, uh, of this hobby and the cost of this hobby. And so I think to myself, how did I get started with records? And, uh, well, I, inf I inherited my first album ever. I think I have it here with me. I, I believe I brought it. Um, I traveled with my family overseas to, to visit my family overseas, I think when I was 10 or 11 years old, and I stayed with one of my cousins, who also has the same name as me, Nick Skiza. And my cousin, who is a big rock fanatic, right, had this really cool record collection. We were in Athens for a few days, and uh, I, you know, I wanted to kind of pass the time. I said, what are those albums? They sound kind of interesting. He goes, you know, I think you'll like this one. He played this for me. Uh, and I don't know, I just heard the sounds, I heard the drums, I heard the, the cannons firing, and it was just, it was a powerful listening and emotional experience for me, right? I mean, I just, I was enamored, you know, and I'm sitting there looking at, like, these guys look really cool, you know, I'd like to kind of be like that, I'm reading the lyric sheet, and then I was hooked, and my cousin Nico says, hey, if you like this so much, take it with you back to Chicago, right? And that's where I got my first album, right? And then I started buying more. Um, it's okay if I geek out a little bit and tell you that I probably own at this point maybe three or f two to three thousand two to three thousand albums, right? Because I've been collecting them since I've been eleven years old. So for those about to rock, this is uh, probably an original 1980, 80, 1981 release, right? I think in eighty five is when I kind of got it in my hands. And then that same cousin 
comes and moves in with us here in Chicago and attends Moraine and UIC, right? My cousin Nick, my cousin Nico, who ended up becoming a marine, <clears throat> a marine biology professor, lived with us for four or five years in my room. As I watch him studying, you know, he opens up his suitcase. He's got cassettes. He's got vinyl, right? M you know, Metallica, ACDC, and all kinds of heavy metal, right? And I'm listening to him as I'm going to bed, and he's up all night studying, listening to music. I just absorb all that stuff, and then that just becomes part of my identity. And so uh, that's kind of how I kind of got into it. And then I tell my mom and dad, I'd like a stereo system. I'd like to buy new records. They say, you know, we don't have money for that. So I got a newspaper route, particularly just so I could buy my first stereo and so I could buy my first couple of records. The first one being Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. Uh, and so my parents were kind of like, you know, I hope he doesn't become a Satan worshiper because <laughs> it's kind of, you know, kind of a devilish cover, but a really, really cool album, right? Uh, but my grades were great. My personality never changed, so they were okay with it. I forgot, I didn't bring my copy, my original copy of Michael Jackson's Thriller, um, but I did want to say that by the end of our talk here, I'm going to raffle this one off. This is a sealed copy of Michael Jackson's Thriller, not a 1982 version, it's from 2015. It was just pressed. And, and I'm just going to ask you to ask each other really, really quickly. Would the people around you be surprised to know that every day new records are pressed, every day, of all the brand new artists? Go ahead and ask that. Seriously, go ahead and ask. Are you surprised to find out that every artist today presses vinyl? Are you surprised? For real, are you surprised? Do you know we bought this last week? This is Taylor, Ver Taylor Swift's 1989 Taylor's Version album, right? I, uh, and before we purchased that, I think this is the one from 2015, right? I mean, so they've been pressing records forever, right? And it's just a really cool medium. Troy? Oh, yeah, yeah, if we have raffle tickets. Yeah, we're going to raffle this off. Uh, you know, I can't say it's worth a whole lot, but, uh, you know, but this might be your first album, which is really cool. Killer record, by the way, right? So that's how I got started. And, of course, that created a lifelong, a lifelong love of music. Up on the top right, I'm trying to give my best Jimi Hendrix impression. Uh, I think I'm probably 14 or 15. Uh, I ended up uh, DJing at UIC. Somehow, somebody from one of the Southwest suburb newspapers knew somebody I went to school with. They said, hey, you know, here's a kid who went to Revis, and, and they interviewed me, uh, and that ended up in the newspaper. On the bottom right, I'm, uh, I'm probably attempting to write songs with one of my cousins. Um, and then, of course, I played in a, in a band for a while on the bottom left. Uh, and these are, on the top left, uh, I think that's a Smashing Pumpkins album. On the bottom right, that's a brand new album that I just bought, like, last week. And uh, then, and, and you would remember Keith Nab, uh, Nab, Nab, loved Iron Maiden, I guess as much as I did, right? Came over and we started playing albums. Um, and of course, you would imagine any music fanatic would go to a lot of concerts. I, I don't know, I can't count how many concerts I've been to, maybe 200, uh, but I would say one of the coolest ones that I saw was Nirvana uh, back when I was a young kid. Uh, I was a Moraine Valley student uh, when I went to go see Nirvana, which is kind of cool. Okay, so what are our records? Well. In the UK, they call them gramophones. In the States, we call them vinyl or phonograph records. Uh, an analog sound is pressed onto 
this puck of wax that they press down and the plates press down the grooves. Music is inscribed into a spiral groove. Records usually start from here and then move in. So um, I, uh, I, I want to demonstrate something for you all. Um, can I invite you just for like five minutes to join me up here for a minute? If you're cool with that? I want you to take a look at something. And in fact, as you take a look at this, I want you to notice, as you're looking at this album, right? You're looking at this record. Do you notice like the spaces? You see the spaces in, like, in between? Those are the spaces in between songs. Now, most albums, almost every album, like this particular album from Jack White, uh, which is called <clears throat> Lazaretto, uh, it's pretty unique to the vinyl collector. Most albums like this, you start here and it kind of moves in. What's cool about this record is it has two different grooves. Depending on where you drop it, it either starts off as electric or it starts off as acoustic. Let's see which one we get. That's the electric start. My stereo sounds better than that. <laughs> and then it goes into the regular song. But if you started on a different groove, an acoustic start. Probably not exciting for you all. <laughs> but I love that stuff. And then at some point, the two grooves meet together. Troy, they meet together, and then the whole song plays. And then Jack White says, you know what? I want my fans to know when the record is over. And so he does this thing at the end here. I don't know if we can get it. Where there's a locked, where there's like a locked groove, which means the record won't stop. I think my friend bought this maybe a couple of years ago, because they sell them, and it just won't stop. It'll play like that for the next ten hours. It forces you to say the record's done and to lift the needle. He wants you to know. Yeah. 
and he wants to annoy you. Okay, so there's stuff like that. Now, while all records start on this side, on this, on this side, he purposely makes you start in here, and then it comes out, which is kind of interesting. So, like, record collectors like that kind of stuff, which is kind of interesting. Okay, uh, so I just wanted to share that with you. And I know it's going to be in one of my later slides, but since you're all here, can I invite you to maybe to take one of these albums and, like, just, like, put it in your hands? So, take any of them. Uh, I'm not sure. So yeah, you could take that one, and you could open up one of these, take this one, maybe take this one, maybe take that one. Uh, Patrick, take that one. Josh, you could, take the, you could take the 1971 Greek one. You can take the new one that was made. Anybody want to open up the new Metallica? Iron Maiden, Teen Generate, which is Japanese punk rock. You can open up that one. Okay. What I'd like to invite you to take a look at is I have a plastic cover on every one of those covers, right? Whoever has my Iron Maiden one. Okay, if you open up the cover, just if you open up like right here, I just want to show you real quick that, I mean, it looks almost brand new, right? Meaning like that's how you preserve your records. If you take the record out, if you take the sleeve out, like in, and you look inside the sleeve and take one of the records out, go ahead. Please do. Like they're collectible, but whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, no, no, what's the worth of, what's the use of having them if you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to mess with them? So I ask you to gently take the record out. Take the actual record out, if you know how. Yep, take the record out. Go ahead and take the record out. And the way that you handle a record, folks, the way that you handle it, you can certainly do it like that, but the way that you generally handle records is you put your hand inside the sleeve, you then put your middle finger underneath the middle hole, and then take it out. That way, your fingers never touch the grooves. And that's how you handle it. That's how you never get oil and other things on the groove of the album. And then if you kind of handle it like this, your thumb goes on the side. And if you're going to put your record on the turntable, right, you touch the edges and you put it like that. And then put your thumb back here, your middle finger here, just like that, like a pizza. You open up the sleeve and gently put it back in without trying to touch the grooves. And that's usually how we handle records. That's how you handle vinyl. You always put it back in the sleeve and always put it back in the jacket. And that way they'll always be preserved forever. All right, if anybody needs a hand. I just wanted to show you how to handle them. Oh, it doesn't matter, they're not gold. <laughs> they're not gold. Awesome, thank you. I'll clean this up later. Kind of against the rules of the, you know, <laughs> of the vinyl collector. You could put them down. I'll, I'll take care of them later, don't worry. Awesome. Ryan, the one that you're holding there just got uh, released two weeks ago. Yeah. Most of these are like brand new releases or some of them are old releases. They're kind of interesting. The general sizes of albums, folks, thank you very much. I appreciate it. The general sizes of records are seven inches 
are 10-inch EPs, extended plays, and then LPs, the ones that most of you are handling. Whoever had the Japanese one, the Teen Generate record, that's a 10-inch record. You know, you can't, you, you can't necessarily have as much music on there. Um, and so I'd like you to take a look at this list. You say, why do people love vinyl? Why do people love me, like me or other people, you know, love albums? Man, you know, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, seven, seven, seven different potential reasons. I'd like you to look at these reasons. You know, it has an awesome sound if you have an amazing stereo system. Not even an amazing stereo, just a regular stereo system with a pretty decent turntable and a good needle. It will sound awesome, right? It sounds even better than a CD. Um, for many people, it's a collectability thing. The thing, these things are rare. They become rare over time. And at some point, some of them become worth a lot of money. I don't know if I have anything here that's worth like crazy, crazy money. I can't say that I have anything here that's like really that expensive. Uh, maybe this one. This is an original 1975 Bob Dylan Blood on the Tracks. I think I, think I paid 60 bucks for this myself. Is it worth 65 today? Is it worth 70 or something like that? I have a, a seven-inch seven single that's worth $400 at home. Um, and I have a lot of records from the 90s. Since I've been buying music all throughout the years, 80s, 90s, 2000s, I never stopped, right? Most of the world is pretty normal, and they don't care about music. Uh, and no one should care about records as much as I do. No, no, and I'm, not, I'm kind of poking a little fun at myself, but, but for the most, most, people, most normal people, like, do not have such an affinity for this type of medium, right? Uh, but the really cool thing about it is that over time, right, uh, they don't make records all the time. Like the stuff that they pressed in the 90s are no longer made, you know. And there's new versions, and, and the collectors like the original versions, like my Pearl Jam albums, my Nirvana albums, all my, all my rock albums from the 90s. Today, if I wanted to sell them, like they literally are worth two to $300 each, right? And so there's a collectability piece to this and a financial piece, which I don't necessarily look at, to be honest with you, you know. Um, it reminds people of their past, I suppose. It's an active listening commitment. You have to be present when you put the needle on. You gotta sit there. Of course, Jack White, as I showed you, does kind of this thing, like the locked groove, where it just won't stop. And like, your family member's gonna be like, could you please turn that off, right? It forces you to turn it off. Um, the songs are played in the way that the, uh, that the artist wants you to hear it, right? They want you to hear it in that particular way and not necessarily skip over. And in almost all cases, all records maintain their value. I don't think I own one album that whatever it is that I paid for it, it stays exactly the same. I think my least expensive vinyl that I maybe have here is this Lady Gaga album that my wife asked me to order. Uh, it's called, I don't know what it's called. Chromatica? Anybody Lady Gaga fan? We played it a few times. It's kind of cool. I think I paid 15 bucks for it, or 12, 12 to $15 for it. I checked this one website, and it's worth 12 to $15, meaning like it never, like it main, they maintain their value, unlike CDs might. And then, of course, we have the album covers. And people love the album covers because they are iconic pieces of art. Now, as I go back to this slide, I'd like you to ask each other really briefly, if you can, of this list, what do you think most people love about this list? Why do you think people love records? If you even love music, what would be one of the reasons that you think you'd enjoy this? And I'm going to give you a few minutes, and I'm going to clean up. Anything you say, by the way, will be right. Why do you think people love it? If you looked at this list. 
Troy? Anything on the list that you like? The active listening piece, right? That is how it is. A, it's a medium that's designed for the here and now. Absolutely. Anybody else want to throw something in there? The nostalgia piece. It reminds you of a certain time in your life, right? I mean, you know, is for those about the rock the greatest album that ACDC's put out? It's not. And, you know, I might get a bow and arrow to my chest from, you know, some ACDC fans, but the Bon Scott era was better. However, this is the album that got me into music, right? That, that finally sparked my neurotransmitters to say, this is something I really enjoy, you know? And so it is a nostalgia piece for a lot of individuals. Um, do you think some people love vinyl because the potential for collectability and the, and the potential for the fact that this could be worth a lot of money. Do you think there's any piece of that for some people? There is. There's a statistic I have on one of my slides that half of the people who own vinyl don't even have a turntable. And I think it's part of that. Now, this is, um, this is not part of my slide, but I'm going to show you. So if, I don't know if anybody recognizes this particular album, but this is uh, uh, Pink Floyd Animals. Um, the people that I buy music from one place that I buy music from, and I wore my shirt specifically, I wore a record store employee shirt from this place in Pittsburgh called Get Hip because I buy so much music from them, they gifted me a shirt. <laughs> and uh, I think they have an undisclosed source. And they said, Nick, we have this unofficial version of Pink Floyd Animals that was supposed to be released in the Philippines. <laughs> The record companies in the Philippines had everything ready. They had the plates. They made the records. But ultimately, in the last hour, Pink Floyd said, I don't know if I want it. Like, for whatever reason, they decided against it. And it just wasn't legally stamped to be like, this is official. So this is an official album. But Pink Floyd never just gave it the full thumbs up. And so what are they going to do with them now? They sell them to collectors like me. Right? I think I paid maybe 20 bucks for this, but on the collector's market, this thing's worth $100 now. Right? It sounds awesome. It is an official version, but just not legally stamped. All Pink Floyd had to do was sign the papers, and then it's okay to sell. So it's, you know, so it's interesting. So, yeah, so for someone like me, you know, it's rare, it's cool, I can sell it. You know, although you can't sell it because it's illegal to sell it. But we do have a black market. We talked about the cover art. Okay, so when you look at vinyl popularity, uh, from 1995 uh, up until today, uh, 43 million. What you don't see, though, is in the 1970s, it was like 400 million, right? Like you don't see the other side, which was like a huge mountain first, right? Um, so the popularity is pretty big. Uh, yeah, there you go. 50% of vinyl buyers don't even own a record player. And uh, it was the main medium in the early 1900s, when you talk about history, right? Up until 1980, until the CDs were introduced, and then they tapered off in 1991, and then we barely sold any, and then they started picking up in 08. And why did they start picking up in 08? That's on my next slide, but uh, take a look at the list on the right-hand side. That's where you can buy vinyl at. You can buy vinyl today. Uh, of course, Amazon's probably the number one place that sells vinyl. I've seen them at Urban Outfitters, I've seen them at Walmart, I've seen them at Target, I've seen them at Menards, of course, Best Buy. I had, at one point, I had seen records at Whole Foods. I don't think I have them anymore. Barnes & Noble has them. And then here's some local stores. Um, has anybody heard of Reckless Records or Rolling Stone Records in Norwich on 40 North Harlem? 
It's a cool place. They sell a lot of they sell a lot of vinyl. Dusty Groove is in the city in Chicago. Beverly Records is on 115th and Western, right? Probably our closest record store. Uh, Permanent Records is also in the city. And these are the places that I tend to go to, and I buy a lot of albums from. Although it's hard to it's hard not to look at Amazon because Amazon tends to have really good prices, and they send them to you you know for, for pretty cheap. Um, well, what I want you to notice though is in 08, right? In 08, we started to notice like the vinyl sales started to go up. Because two factors. At some point, people who had records went on eBay and like checked out their catalog of albums and said, holy cats, I didn't realize what I have at home is worth a lot of money, right? Like nobody would have predicted it. And now we see that this is worth something. The music labels see this as an opportunity and say, this is a market. And if we want to sell more albums, we're going to cater to record collectors. Anything that record collectors, like one thing that record collectors love more than anything else is a rare album and limited edition whatnot. And so the record companies created this thing called Record Store Day in 2008, where like all these bands came together and pressed limited edition records of rare stuff, and the collectors came out of nowhere, came to these stores, two in the morning waiting in line to be able to buy these albums and these records and whatnot, which then skyrocketed in value the next day on eBay. And so people said, wow, records are obviously a big thing. They're collectible, they're worth money. And then you notice that album sales started to pick up around the time the record store day started because it created a market, which is kind of cool. Does that make sense? If you want to get into the hobby, uh, I think if you want to buy a, a decent turntable, you could buy a used one. That's the picture of my turntable. I think I bought that maybe 15 years ago. I think I paid 200 bucks for it at the time. Uh, they do have cheaper ones if you want to start off with $100. Uh, but a good, a good, you know, it's. I think it's just in good form. If you're going to spend good money on these albums, you might as well have something to, to play them with, right? That's pretty good condition. Uh, I've seen new ones starting at 350. You could buy a new pretty good one for even 100 uh, or 150. But if you want one that you're going to keep for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of your life, that's built like a tank, I would say 350 is generally when like the really really good ones start. And used, you could buy them for 250. Um, but I would say the next slide is even more important than the first slide. Your needle is more important than even the even the record player itself. The stylus itself. I've seen styluses that start for 125. Uh, that's a picture that I took with my camera of my own of my own needle on a Miles Davis album. Now, I think I may have paid 200 $200 for that. And and this particular brand, Grado, is the one that I kind of prefer. But you could definitely buy one like this, uh, maybe for $100 to start off with. Um, but I wouldn't put your really expensive. I, I may not put your really expensive records on this because the needle here is not designed for like, you know, for use all day. It could tear up. It could tear into your vinyl. Yes. So this one is one. The cartridge and the needle are kind of together, uh, and uh, they are kind of. You no, know, I would say the needle. The needle. Uh, ask me that question again. Awesome. I'm glad that you asked. It depends on the headstock of your, uh, you know, of the turntable and whatnot. So this is the headstock, that big thing that you kind of touch, and then this piece right here, folks, 
is called the cartridge, and underneath is the actual needle itself. So some people buy the cartridge and the needle together, or you could remove the needle and put it into a cartridge. And so I guess I'd have to take a look at it because there's different types of cartridges. I mean, there's not that many out there. Like, there's basically two styles of cartridges. And, and if you took a photo of it and you, were, and if you send it to me, I'm happy to give you a call and say this is kind of what you're looking at. Today, in today's market, here's the equal replacement for it. You could find it easily on Amazon. It could be a, a, a manner of like, you know, I mean, if it's like kind of like a hi-fi turntable, you know, uh, what you can't see behind here, I didn't, want, I didn't bring my turntable in here. Um, you would unplug this, and there's four little prongs on the back that you would kind of attach to it. So it depends on what kind of record player you have. If it's a record player like this, that's a council one. So it, it probably looks something like what I have here. I'll take a look at it. Yes, the stylus itself, the needle or the stylus, stylus I guess is the more appropriate term, is interchangeable. Like you could take that out of the cartridge. Many people like to keep the cartridge and the needle together. They like to replace the cartridge when they replace the needle. And I demonstrated how to handle it, right? You try not to touch it on the grooves itself, try to touch it on the sides and all that kind of stuff. Um, I always recommend plastic covers to preserve it, right? Uh, if you think of this as a collectible thing, as a financial thing even, right, uh, of, of value, you want to put plastic covers on them to preserve. So uh, I can go into my next few slides of how to grade them, but I think I would prefer to take your questions instead. Think about something you'd like to ask. And I'm happy to answer anything, anything that you would like to know about record collecting, my experience with record collecting. I've been at it for almost 39 years. I'd like to think that I care about other things just as much as I care about records, which I do. I care about education as much as I care about records. Yes. Um, yeah. How many do you have? How many records? Probably, I would say, I've never fully counted them, but I would say somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 albums at home. So I've been collecting records. I mean, so I have genres. I have jazz. I have rock. I have blues. I have popular stuff. Uh, you know, but I would say mainly, primarily rock. So I love listening to music, and I listen to music all the time. I prefer to listen to it on vinyl, and uh, it's just one of the things that I enjoy. Yeah, Troy? Yeah, so I would estimate somewhere around there, and if each album costs about 10 to $15, you're talking about 50 grand uh, over a 40-year period. Troy? So as a librarian, you know, there's all kinds of debates within the library community on how librarians store their home book collection by color, alphabetical, personal history. So, of course, I have to ask you, yeah, please. your home collection, so that you can access and find things, what is your storage um, system? I would really like, be curious. Where do, like, so, Troy, just for clarity's sake, are you asking, how do I catalog it? How do I store them? Well, you know, I have DJ, like, professional felted DJ boxes, right? Well, because, you know, I mean, you don't want them being knocked around or whatever. I want to be able to preserve them. I don't want these things dinged up. But also, uh, you know, again, asking somebody how to catalog them is like asking what's the right way to put your toilet paper, right? Do you put it on the outside or the inside, you know? <laughs> no, I, no, 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 for real. Like the right way is the way that you want to do it. Some people do it by genre. How do I do it? I just do it by alphabetize, you know, I alphabetize it. ACDC comes first. You know, David Bowie is in the D's, right? I usually alphabetize it by the person's first name. 
And that's kind of how I do it. The band name, the person's first name, and that's how I alphabetize everything. That's how I do it at my house. Yep, so if you want David Bowie, you're going to look at, you know, box number one out of ten. Because that's, you know, he's probably at the end of box one, which is the D's. So, yes, that's how I alphabetize them. Anybody else? I'll take any questions. Yes. How can, say it again? No, no. I don't think you can, honestly, I don't think you can restore them. Because, I mean, you know, this one really should, this one, this album, this EP from Teen Generate, right, which is a 1995 punk rock from Japan. You've never heard anything like it. And after you listen to it, you might say, I never want to hear anything like it again because it's lo-fi punk rock, right? But, you know, f like people like myself who like that kind of energy like that. This really should have a cover, right? But it doesn't. So let's just say like the next hundred years goes by and this is all tattered up. There's no way to restore this. You just got to buy it, find a new copy. Like I've been on the search for this uh, Sonic Youth album, um, which I'm pretty close to purchasing if the seller says, yeah, you know, it's in pretty good condition. But uh, if I had an original copy of that that I beat up, I'd, I'd just have to buy another one. Now, the other question is, if this potentially, if you look at it, and there's not a lot of scratches on it, right? And this one doesn't. It has a couple of pieces of dust, a little bit of fingerprint, and that kind of thing. You could buy a small machine that will wash it, right? It'll take all the dust, it'll take all the garbage off of this thing. However, it won't take the scratches off. So to restore it, you got to buy an, a cleaner copy. But if it doesn't have scratches and it's just a little dirty, you could put it through the machine and it'll clean it and it'll be like brand new. But you can't take scratches off. I have records that are a little bit warped, like uh, I just want to set it down, but I can't. I got to put it back. like this Taylor Swift album, wherever it is. Uh, I think we just picked it up maybe last week. This brand new one right here. The second record came a little bit warped. As I played it on the turntable, it was moving, right? Because this is a piece of wax, it's a piece of vinyl. And I have a machine that I paid a couple hundred dollars for where you put this in between two pieces of metal and put it into like this uh, electric blanket kind of thing and you leave it for like four hours, and then it comes out perfect. So it's a, it's a vinyl flattener. And that's one way that you can, you can fix warped vinyl, which is kind of cool. But you can't take scratches off. You just got to get another copy. Um, does your cousin or any other family collect them? Yes. So they probably stopped like most normal people do, right? No, and I say that jokingly. Like, I don't know when this is going to stop. Sound like a drug addict, you know? No, 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 no. But realistically speaking, you know, when is enough? I mean, I'm always gonna. The new records are always gonna come out, and there's stuff from the past that I want to pick up that I didn't, that I didn't have enough money for when I was younger, and so I'm always gonna want records. So I have a couple of, I have a, a couple of cousins that still collect vinyl. I think they've moved to like Spotify at this point and just kind of enjoy it like most people do in their cars and not have to deal with the inconvenience and the cost of it. Uh, but, uh, but I would say my cousin still buys some, a couple new records, but I'm probably the only one that, stand out to, that stands out at this point uh, that continues this, you know, this type of hobby. But whatever, you know, you know, I like it. They could be doing other things that are even worse. Everybody has. You know, but the other thing is, you know, 
anything ever happens in life, I guess I can get rid of my record collection and still pay off my house. <laughs> For real. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, or if my daughter ends up going to school at some point, you know, and uh, we got to pay tuition, I'm probably going to get rid of some of my records to pay the tuition. I'll just have to get rid of all my Pearl Jam albums to pay for one semester <laughs> of Moraine. <laughs> Josh, cool. tell me. Yeah, hey. I've got a, a yeah, comment and a question. I, I, I will try. I'll I, try to answer I, it. The, the comment earlier about nostalgia, uh, I, I thought was really, really interesting um, because, and it, it made me wonder, um, you know, given y your work in, in the teaching of, of psychology and, and about research as it relates to that, um, I've often wondered, and maybe you, you can certainly speak to this. So, you know, I started thinking about, so, you know, I was born in 81. You know, I remember my parents had a, you know, one of those much, you know, those, um, those wooden... Um, Consoles? The, yeah, the ones that are the size of this table yeah. that are huge, right? Big speakers, right. record player, right. A-track. You know, Cassette. of you know, where where the where you could play the records there, and and as a kid, of course, I I remember this being this big, giant, overwhelming thing. As an adult, it, it doesn't look so large, but as a kid, I'm just, just thinking this, is, and thinking about albums, you know, that I would have you know adored as a child. So like you know, the Sesame Street Christmas album, you know, sort of those kinds of things. Sure. Um, going, is there a certain level of a connection when it comes to the the act and art of listening to me, where it, in some ways it feels better, depending on for an individual person based on the space and place in which they're engaging it with it or encountering it. I think so. I think there's plenty of room for for that psychological piece. Okay. I mean, especially if that experience was a positive one for you, right? Right. And you associate those things with positive experiences. You would want to go back to that and revisit that, and maybe even the, the tactile piece sure. of being back in those moments and reliving those moments, right, is right. kind of a psychological piece of why we do it. Sure. I think sometimes we listen to music that we grew up with to just revisit those experiences and because perhaps, Josh, uh, I, I know we know each other for a long time, you yeah. cherish your parents as well. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah. I, we might be able to say that, and you know, yeah. I know that's the case. Yeah. Um, you know, it connects us back to our families, right? Right. And I call Cousin Nico in Puerto Rico, and we talk about ACDC. I call, sure. I, I t I call my cousins overseas who got me into Motorhead, right? And we talk about that kind of stuff. And these things do certainly take me back into a place of time that were very happy for me, right? And these new albums will take me, in 10, 20 years I'll be listening to these because they're gonna remind me of how awesome today was, right? And so I think, I think there's definitely a piece of that. On the other hand, you know, do we need to bind the big cabinet today, like, you know, to take us back there? Not necessarily. Right. We don't necessarily have to do that, right? right? We can have a smaller little stereo system to still kind of, you know, take us back to those experiences. Right. And it's interesting to listen to the music that we would have been into if we were old enough to realize what was going on at the time, right? And so sometimes I do purchase albums from the 80s that I kind of missed because I was too young to be able to appreciate it. But now I listen to it, you know, taking me back into an era that I would have absolutely been a fan of that if I was a teenager in 1975, but I was, when I was just born. Right. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think so. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that album that I've been, that I'm, you know, we'll see if the, if the seller responded to me today. 
from uh, this is an, a 1995 album mm. that I had just enough money to buy some Alice in Chains records or this one, right? right. And I oh, and I did. I overlooked that album, <laughs> and I know that if I would have had it, I would have enjoyed it. So I'm going to buy it because I want you know. Yeah, 1995 was awesome. 2005 is awesome. 2015 is awesome. But you know, but I, I, part of me wants to go back there and pick up that experience that I missed out on. Would, would you say... I hope I answered your question. Oh, you right? did, very much so. Make, okay. I have a, an additional one, if that's yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, okay. No, no, um, these guys are coming afterwards with more questions after you. Okay, okay. Um, one of the things, um, you know, with the last couple of years, obviously, you know, you make the point about the, the broader transition in the music industry, sort of returning back to um, the use of, of vinyl as a primary... Um, you know, way to, to, to kind of get uh, 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 the returning to yes, it. Yes, in a way. yes, it is. I can't say um, that it's a, a primary, 100%. but but it's a, they're, 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 like Josh. Physical sales, physical sales are still a very small percent of music sales today. Mm. But of physical sales, Vinyl these are sixty percent of the physical sales. Okay, like the ninety percent of the sales of music is all Spotify today. It it made me think of just the manner in which historically folks you know would access audio, right? Get get access to audio of just the 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 wide ranging diversity of what would have been put forward in the twenties and thirties and forties and fifties and sixties mm -hmm. all of that, uh, and to go you know. That's the case. So you, this is the case in the U.S. Um, as far as the global process is concerned, um, you know, if one wants to get access to different kinds of music, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, is is that something that one can absolutely do? You know, with with records, or yeah. is that a difficult reality? No, I think so. I mean, if they can afford, you know, okay. Here's the good news and the bad news. Is any of these albums here, like most of these albums are originals because I bought them when they came out, right? Uh, and uh, however, you could purchase any of these records today. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that they just pressed this right. last year, right? You could, you could pick up any of these albums. So I think if you want to be able to kind of feel the historical significance of what this would have been like, right? Right. I think you can either pay for it. Right. And pay sixty bucks right. to be able to buy what you would have been able to buy, like a historical artifact, right. or pay fifteen ninety nine right. for a replica copy, which is going to sound just as good. But historically speaking, that's the way Bob Dylan wanted you to listen to this, right? right. right. And this is a historical artifact and a historical kind of a way to to access it. Although I'm not sure if that's what you're asking. Yet. I, I guess I'm saying is like if you're, if you're someone who is, let's say you're interested in in uh, you know music from uh, Brazil in the second half of the 20th century, ah, uh, but you I live see. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, is is there a you know easy, are there easy ways for you to be able to uh, get into that that music or those that that thing that you want as a person? One hundred percent. Although it might cost you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Have they pressed those records recently, especially as rare as they are? There's an album that I was turned on to uh, from Africa. I can't remember the name of the album, but it's a free jazz album from 1970 that was only pressed in Africa. Mm -hmm. And I listened to it on Spotify. It was pretty cool. I went to go see if I could find an original copy, and it would have cost me $270. Mm -hmm. 
because they don't make them. They're super, right. super rare. So yes, if you have enough money, you could certainly access those things. If it's relatively popular, like this band right here, Madhu Mokhtar, they're, they're from Niger, right? Uh, and they're kind of a cool, a cool rock band. Um, uh, they're a today type of music, right? But let's say if in 20, 30, 40 years, right? I think they're still going to make this because it's a really cool record. So if this particular band or genre or artist was relatively popular, they would still be making them today. But you could access, you can find any record online, any record that's ever been made online, and I'm going to show you where. You just might have to pay for it. You might have to pay a little bit of money to get that particular copy if they haven't pressed it. I hear you. And so where do I do a lot of investigation? I'm going to show you one website that I think is kind of helpful. Uh, and if I can find it here, and I think we're going to be just about done in just a minute here. Has this been kind of interesting for you? Yeah? I'm not sure if Professor Fulton told you, but we're going to raffle off. Did I tell you that we're raffling off a Michael Jackson record? All right. I'm way better with a mouse and not the touchpad, but www.discogs.com. Discogs is short. Eric, hey. Discogs is short for discography. Discography.com. It is a website that has every record, every musical release that's ever been made. Michael Jackson, Thriller. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Michael Jackson's Thriller, folks, has seven, if you look at the left-hand side, 726 versions. Every year that they've been pressed, every cassette that they made, in every country that they made it, LP, reel-to-reel, CD, every version that's ever existed is listed here. So you could spend hours on this website trying to figure out which exact version do you have here? And you could check it out by the matrix number. You type in the matrix number on the top of the website and it'll tell you what version you have and kind of how much it costs. And let's say if for some reason we were dead set on wanting to buy and locate an original 1982 copy from Europe that you would have purchased if you were living in Europe at that time, Two hundred and ninety-five of them are on sale, uh, in different ranges of condition, from very good to to good to mint and whatnot. And then you click on that. So if you have records of your own, and you grade them and figure out the condition, you could list them on here and sell them too, which is kind of cool. Okay, tell me what other questions do you have? I want to answer them. I could be here all day. Well, with that, I want to thank you again for the invite. Um, 
it's been a pleasure presenting and kind of going back and talking about a hobby that I love. You know, when it comes to Moraine Valley, I stick with psychology because that's my business here, right? For real. You know, I usually don't talk about records and record collecting and selling and all that stuff uh, because that's not what I do here. Um, but if anybody asks about records, you know, like I said, I'm happy to share my passion with me. But I usually do this outside of the college. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate your time and your attention. It's kind of cool. And I guess if uh, we, we do have raffle tickets, uh, if anyone wants to stick around uh, and be entered into the raffle here quickly for uh, the, the album, uh, so please feel free to come take on one, up. Take one, uh, put your name on it, and we'll, we'll pick we'll your name, is, and we'll give it away. Do, do you, what we'll do is we'll drop them in the bag here, and then you can, <laughs> yeah. you can, you can pick that up. Absolutely. Um, so I don't want to... Okay. <laughs>